0: Welcome. You are listening to Not Just a Rainbow with Catherine Cager. All right. Today, I am going to tell you my modest opinion on an interesting topic you probably will love. From 2016 to 2019, there was a dramatic rise in gender-affirming surgeries in the United States, which is thought to be due to more insurers offering coverage for the procedures. Breast surgery was more common than genital surgery, according to the findings of the research. The groundbreaking study was released Wednesday on the American Medical Association's JAMA Network Open. Scientists from Columbia University Medical School in New York City and the University of Southern California in Los Angeles conducted the study, relying on data from the nationwide ambulatory surgery sample and the national inpatient sample. The research highlighted 48,019 individuals who opted for gender-affirming surgery from 2016 up to 2020. The numbers increased from 4,552 in 2016 to a peak of 13,011 in 2019, before dipping slightly to 12,818 in 2020. This could be attributed to the COVID-19 pandemic, which imposed restrictions on in-person health care. Throughout the study, the majority of patients, 56.6%, underwent breast or chest surgery, 35.1% had genital surgery, and 13.9% experienced facial and other cosmetic procedures. Notably, some people had multiple types of surgery. The research concluded that breast and chest surgeries were more common among younger people, while older individuals mainly had genital procedures. This research supports the idea that when states implement or discuss a restriction on gender-affirming surgery for minors, it is rare for genital surgery to be recommended for young people. Statistics show that out of the patients aged 12 to 18, 87.4% received breast or chest surgery, and only 11% had genital surgery. Most restrictions that have been put into action or proposed apply to those under 18 years old, as 18 is considered the age at which someone is legally an adult. Those aged 19 to 30 were the most likely to undergo gender-affirming surgeries, according to the authors. It was found that most individuals started to experience gender dysphoria at a young age, three-quarters of patients reported it before their seventh birthday. On average, transgender men spent 23 years and transgender women 27 years living before starting treatments to transition genders. The right-wing may allege that more people are resorting to these treatments because of a social contagion, but the authors of the study have a different perspective. They suggest that the increase in gender-affirming surgery is likely due to state and federal laws that mandate coverage of transition-related care. Although the actual insurance coverage of specific procedures varies, the majority of patients in the study, 60.5%, had private insurance, and 25.3% were Medicaid recipients. At a time when gender-affirming care is being challenged by some states forbidding it for minors, and even some adults who rely on Medicaid for their medical expenses, this study recognized its advantages. Although a number of medical organizations have acknowledged the importance of gender-affirming care, a few states have passed laws or formulated policies that limit its availability, especially for young people. These limitations make it more difficult for those seeking gender-affirming care to receive it, and also create difficult legal and ethical dilemmas for healthcare professionals. As the demand for gender affirming surgery grows, there is a continuing public health challenge to ensure that everyone has access to equitable gender affirming care in this complex environment. The research conducted does have a few drawbacks, the researchers pointed out. For instance, Despite the fact that we extensively documented inpatient and ambulatory surgeries through national databases, there is still a possibility that a small number of procedures were conducted in alternate settings, leading to an underestimation of the amount of surgeries conducted annually in the U.S. Dr. Jason D. Wright, head researcher and chief of gynecologic oncology at Columbia University Vigellos College of Physicians and Surgeons, emphasized the importance of the information they have obtained. It appears that an increasing number of patients have been looking into the option and eventually taking action, however there was not enough evidence to back it up, he commented. Our study is one of the first to accurately assess the age groups and treatments they have gone through. That's all for today. I hope this episode was useful for you all. Do not forget to share my podcast with your friends and see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.